Okay. <laughs> Finally. <All right. laughs> okay, good. Finally. Good. <laughs> Hope everybody can hear us. Hello, uh, welcome, everybody. Hello, everyone. This is our new, uh, I think it's the 11th uh, question and answer session we've had. And we really like these. They're, you know, the questions that come in are really reveal a lot to us. And, um, there's, you know, everything that's happening to us some way relates to the teachings. So, without further ado, I think we should start. Okay, this is from Christina. Christine. Christine, sorry. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on vitamins and supplements, etc.? I take vitamin C, for example, if I'm getting sick, and to strengthen my immune system, and it gets me better. I also do as much energy work. If ether has everything we need, do we truly need vitamins? Or is it just because we fall short in our daily life take, of taking and accumulating etheric vitality? Then what should we take as supplements to try to support our body? Um, in a perfect world, I suppose, if you you know, sat in a cave and you just breathe, you could supply yourself with body, uh, with enough vitality, enough nourishment to keep the body alive. Yogis have done this. There's a lot of people that do this. There's something like 3,500 people known on earth that don't eat. So they're getting the energy someplace and it's from the etheric. However, we live in a very, very stressful world. The stuff that's going on today in our world has never happened before. And it creates a lot of stress. And when we feel stress, when we feel fear, when we feel anxious, it does two things. One is it burns up the creative ether. I mean, it makes a bonfire of the creative ether. And the second thing is your body gets depleted. Stress burns up stuff. You need to deplete it. You need to keep your body healthy and alive. Now, Daskalos, the only vitamin I ever heard him suggest anyone take was vitamin B. And the reason for that was vitamin, uh, etheric vitality can't store in the nerves themselves. They transmit the etheric vitality, but it doesn't store there. So to help those nerves be able to trans transmit more through them, Daskalo suggested um, taking vitamin B12. So that's a good one. But nowadays, with all this stuff going around, yeah, vitamin C is good. Vitamin D is real good. And it turns out you only need about 12 minutes or 15 minutes max a day in the sunlight to get enough vitamin D. But it's not bad to supplement it. But I kind of personally feel, I think we both feel, that it's mm -hmm. better to get it from a natural source rather than a, a vitamin. Mm -hmm. But if you can't get it from a natural source, then a vitamin's, you know, second best, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh Ultimately, we don't need uh, any supplement. As he says, uh, no, we can live on the aesthetic vitality, ultimately. And some people on this planet already started to do it. They're called Brazilian or like uh, the masters. They don't need to, some, some people don't need to eat. But usually we, uh, like, uh, no, all the food which we eat, taking our body, ultimately, at the end, eventually, turn into aesthetic vitality. Like this, 
Likewise, all the, the vitamins or medication, it depends on the medication, but the, it will influence our aesthetic double, for sure. So as long as, as we know already, we have three bodies. So as long as we feel good after taking it, we have to observe very carefully whatever we take in our body. But if we feel good, then if we energize, then continue observe what's going to happen, you know? And then, uh, as long as our psychoanalytical body feels good, and uh, then it will influence our material body in a positive way. So, again, as long as you feel good, it's going to be the nutrition. Please be careful of what you are taking, you know, uh, especially kind of, the medication, which has a long name, which we are not familiar with, just you know, uh, investigate well and then try to take in our body. Christina also asked the million dollar question. She says, I don't know how to word this, but if you could say or share any advice for this feeling of helplessness that sometimes overtakes me nowadays, it overtakes me despite my best efforts. My office now requires a COVID certificate just to get into the office. There's no logic, there's no science behind it, and I don't know what to do anymore. I would be so grateful if you could speak to those of us feeling shut out of society because we choose not to be injected. Absolutely no disrespect for those that have been, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I, my heart goes out to anybody who's finds himself in this position that she's in. However, if you do find yourself in this position, know that it's not an accident. God has put you here. There's something important going on with this, something important that you have to choose. Christ said, seek the truth and it will set you free. He didn't say believe what other people tell you the truth. You must do your own research to find the truth about what's going on and make your choice wisely. So, but let's let's get away from the, uh, to be vaxxed against or not to be vaxxed. Let's get back to the principle behind everything. And the principle is, well, let me just say this first. I don't believe anyone should be forced not to take a vaccine if they want it. Equally, I don't feel anybody who doesn't want to take the vaccine should be forced. Why should they? This is about, the principle I'm talking about is about freedom versus force. If you believe that God created you and he created certain unalienable rights like freedom and the right to do what you want to do, the right to choose, think about that. This issue is really big and it's a worldwide test for everyone. And we all find ourselves in different I don't know, angles or aspects of this test going on. So we all, wherever we find ourselves, that's our lesson. That's what we really need to understand the most. So this is a very, very important time to, to meditate deeply, think deeply. There are a lot of people who've chosen to quit work instead of getting vaccinated. There's probably way more who've chosen to stay and work and get vaccinated. Okay. So what if you're one of those who choose to get vaccinated? Well, I don't know if, it, if, if, if it's played already or it's going to play next week, but the current lesson on Patreon is about programming our subconsciousness. 
So the first thing you're going to do is if you if you choose to take a vax or you're forced to take a vax, you have to start talking to yourself. You have to start programming your subconsciousness that you will not be harmed by this medication. Just listen to that, that lesson we just produced because it tells you so much about the power of health and illness and disease and all this stuff has a lot to do, the subconsciousness, I'll say it this way, plays a major role in that. What we expect to happen tends to happen to us. What we fear is going to happen tends to happen to us. So we want the middle ground. We want to go right through the middle of it. And we want to be the master. We want to take action. Uh, no, I don't want my body to be negatively affected by this injection. Program yourself that way. And then after the injection, work to detox. And there's a lot of information out there. Of course, Cervinim, if I'm saying that right, is, the, is probably the best one, the pine needle. It's mm -hmm. something in the pine needle. But it turns out, not only is it in the pine needle tea, it's even stronger if you make the tea out of the bark, it turns out. So that's a good one. This, there's this other uh, supplement called NAC that Amazon, they're, they're trying to get it off the market because it really does overthrow this, this thing. So Amazon stopped selling it, uh, but you still can get it elsewhere. And it, it helps detox you. So if you got to take it, make your choice clear, but make it on reason. Don't just because everybody's telling you this or you see it on the Internet or something. Research what's going on with these vaccines and you make your decision based on your position in life. And I'm sure some, some people might make that decision in a pure way and be really unaffected by it, by the purity of their attitude, by the mm -hmm. purity of their consciousness and what they're thinking is going to happen. I've seen um, situations with masters where they take a poison and it's, it doesn't hurt them. So um, mind is the master, the body follows. So program your subconscious for perfect health. Be strong in this world. Yes. Whichever choice you make, just trust the Holy Spirit and archangels in all bodies. This is the advice from the research of truth. We have to make a certain choice. And we all are living under the perfect law of cause and effect. So whichever choice we make, the result varies, depends on our destiny, our destiny of life, which means whichever choice we make, what we can do ultimately is the middle path. Just trust higher intelligences in our body will crash taking care, create our bodies, and maintaining our bodies 24-7. So just trust this power and cooperate with this power by practicing, like making an uh, exercise, and like he says, imprint your subconsciousness. We are the healthy, whatever we are taking, we cleanse, we can cleanse our bodies. and. All the destiny, the result is up to our destiny under the perfect divine law of cause and act. And one more thing. Teaching says, once we, our bodies, are filled in, filled in 
aesthetic vitality fully, no disease can influence or affect our body. So please remember this point also. Her third question is, is there any benefit to pray for loved ones that have passed over? I pray for them that they have a shell paradise, but is there anything more useful I could do? Yes, there's great benefit for praying for those who passed over, but you don't have to pray for them to have a shell paradise. That's that's an automatic. It's going to happen. Okay. It may not be your shell paradise, but it's going to be theirs. But what we can do for them, <clears throat> you know, on earth, when we try to help people, we create balls of colored light and send them to them and that kind of thing. Well, a departed person, we only want to send them the color white light. And you can do it just like you do the other exercise we give you create the ball in the between the palms of your hands and you release it to them with the intent you program it with an intent that they be helped they be benefited they be lifted up and so when this comes to them they won't necessarily know you sent it but it'll feel like hmm, like wind in your sails and all of a sudden they're moving along and they're progressing a little nicer with a little extra help from the wind of your prayer I totally agree what he says. Uh, even in the psychonoetical uh, paradise, uh, shell paradise or shell hell, uh, existing in the shell hell or shell paradise, wherever, which means they are vibrating in certain tone of the the vibration, certain tone of the the color on the sound which means that what we can do is sending a white light the white light means the assembly of all colors and ultimate colors uh, assembly of all colors and the highest color so once we send it send the white color to the departure then which automatically means the prayer, ultimate prayer, to lift them up to the highest rating um, state. So when we send a prayer uh, to the departure, uh, we send a white light and just visualize they are smiling happily in the pure white light. This is what we can do. You want to say more? No. Okay. So we'll proceed. Our next question comes from Hugo in South Africa, and he's wondering if there's a way to, with necessary caution, identify and isolate voices that come to him during his daily life to differentiate between the real angels of light and the fake ones. I have noticed that my egotism, if my egotism notices that I'm more cautious, then it becomes more devilish in its approach. What I know, it will take practice, will and sincerity with myself. Mm -hmm. What I know, it will take practice and will and sincerity with myself. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, we hear voices. Everybody is hearing voices. What voices are we hearing? There's a great number to choose from. Sometimes it's our guardian angel other angel, but typically it's our guardian angel. Could be our inner self. Could be our soul self. 
what's the difference between those three? Virtually nothing. They're, they're at one. This is why Daskalos calls them the guardian angels ego fight with us. It's the ego fight with us. It's one. So whatever it's saying for the inner self, whatever it's saying, it's saying for the soul self. So we have to learn, and the only way to get this is with practice. And you're going to make mistakes, and you're going to get bad results, and that's, you're going to learn from that. So you're not to follow the other voice. You said the fake voice. Uh, it's a false voice, and it's egotism. And what it does, it likes, as Christ said, mas to masquerade. The devil likes to masquerade as the angel of light. Well, within us, the devil is our egoism. And it's a greater enemy than you can imagine. Now, most people think, oh, I don't have that much egotism. Oh, it's not that bad. Seldom do people really understand the trick the egotism is playing on them to get them to think that way. So you don't look for it. Well, I look, but I don't see anything. I, I must not have much egotism. That's what a lot of people think, but it ain't true. It's um, it's a case where we just have to, to, to practice until we get enough experience of listening to the true voice and enough experience of listening to the false voice that it's like, oh, I get that. I see. Now, I'll give you some clues. One clue is the, the guardian angel, the inner self, or the, the true voice, what is called the true voice. It leaves you feeling comforted. Even if it points out something that's really you've made a big mistake and you need to fix, it doesn't criticize. It, it encourages you to fix it. So it points out your weaknesses without condemning you. It's just in a loving way. Just like, you know, you don't want to be stuck in this illusion for, you know, three more lifetimes, right? So he tries to give you messages to wake you out of that. Now, of course, the false voice is always listening. It's just like Hugo said. It's always, and even when we're thinking about what we're going to do to unseat it, it's thinking about how to stop us. And the quickest way is just to distract us. <laughs> That's really one of the most quickest ways. Just, oh, look over here. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you forget about your plan. So I don't know how to tell you. It's, there's no quick solution on this. You just have to practice. But challenge them. Oh, this is, you hear a voice and it says, I'm Christ. Well, challenge that. If it's a true voice, they're not going to be upset that you challenge them. They're going to be pleased to see that you realize that there is a false voice that tries to throw in the wrong message to you. So listen. And the other thing is, um, if you hear the, a voice that's, blaming others for their stuff or blaming yourself and blame if it sounds like blame and gets a feeling of guilt definitely it's not from the light so you don't have to worry about that one but look for the one that feels comforted now after a while listening to your guardian angel it becomes like the voice of your mother if you were in a room and somebody blindfolded you and seven women spoke you would recognize the voice of your mother it wouldn't be hard to distinguish between the the, the fake ones and then your real mother right What's well, the same way with these voices? Once you get enough experience with it, you start to recognize, oh, that one told me the truth. It turned out right. A lot of times, another, a lot of times, this is what they do. And here's another clue to, to contemplate, Hugo. Um, we all have our ideas. We all have our hopes, dreams, wishes, expectations. Those are living elementals in our subconsciousness, right? Well, the, the false voice knows that. 
So if it's coming to you and telling you, oh, yes, you are very advanced spiritually, or if it's telling you your pre-recorded story about yourself, it's super suspect because the, the, the archangels don't talk that way. The inner self doesn't talk that way. It's just a very authoritative, not strict or coercive, but authoritative. It's got authority when it speaks to you. So what it says to you has a vibration of authority. So you have to just practice looking at that and if you think that's right and you go off and do it and then everything goes horribly wrong you know that you were tricked right so mm -hmm. yes my advice is also the real one for me it has certain authority strength power but they that power brings us guide us into pure love, peace, and uh, wisdom. So please you know, ask to your heart uh, the guidance or what you hear or what you see is just resonating with the divine ex or divine expression, love, peace, wisdom. Just you know, uh, scale it with this uh, three nature of uh, God. And one more advice is false one. At the beginning, uh, they are kind of nice and uh, praising us, or you know, soft and gentle, try to guide us into uh, something uh, looks like light. But uh, eventually, eventually, they are trying to control or manipulate our behavior or a way of thinking or something. Once you feel this kind of energy, this is definitely false. The real one never try to control. They just try to support for us to realize of our inner self. They support like that way with a certain authority. They don't, they never try to control what to do or once you feel or sense uh, this kind of energy, just stop and observe very carefully and meditate well to connect it with your inner self. Our Brazilian brother Gustavo says, what do the teachings say about cremation after the passing from the material body? Is it best than other forms of funerals? The teaching says this way. It's all about the etheric double. When the person's self-awareness transforms and leaves the body, let's say that, just leaves the body, the body's still there, and it still has etheric vitality in it, a lot of etheric vitality. Now, of course, you hear all the stories that even doctors have reported seeing light emanate from the body when a person passes. That's true. They're leaving, their self-awareness is leaving through the etheric counterpart. But the body itself, after the self-awareness has left, still has this etheric vitality on it. So it normal conditions, it takes like 40 days to completely dissolve. And this is why in Greece, particularly, I don't know other European old countries might have done this, but they used to have a vigil. When a person's body died, they didn't 
send them someplace else. They brought them into the home. You know, they fixed them up in the home and people visited. But the family would light candles around the body and create a vigil and watch the body. And this was for two reasons. One is that the candles help burn off the etheric a little quicker. But also they needed to be careful and protect this person's body because a black magician knows how to take the energy off a dead body and he becomes way more powerful for a time why he has the energy and he can use it to cause greater harm. So this was the hidden reason why behind that their tradition had this 40 days of uh, uh, watching the body before they buried it. Now in cremation, that etheric is burnt just right off. So in many ways, for us, it's better. If we have a lot of earthly attachments, then we could say, yeah, maybe it's a little better to burn it all off right away. And so we can't come back because black magicians know how, if their body dies, they know how to hang around that body and use the etheric vitality of it and cause trouble from the etheric counterpart of the material world. So this is the difference between the two. Also in India, you'll notice everybody gets cremated except the great yogis and masters, and they bury them sitting up because they believe the vibrations of that person is still in the which that they are. But also that yogi or master can use that body as an anchor point to come out and send its blessings out in that environment. That's their belief, and that's what they do. And there's something behind that. So really, it makes no difference, really, in the big picture. It just it burns off the etheric much faster. Yes. I'm done. For normal people, uh, cremation is very good. Uh, I, uh, he talked most of uh, what I wanted to say. But uh, we have the, the baptism of water, and you know, we cleanse with water first. But the, afterward, we have a baptism of fire. So fire means ultimate cleansing of whatever we want to cleanse. So even energetically on this sense, using a fire and cremation, you know, uh, burn the dead body as kind of cleanse all the other elemental element and they lift the spirit that helps this process. Uh, one other thing I probably should say, there is some school of thought that for 72 hours after the body dies, don't cremate it because there's still enough of a connection etherically that the departed, when the physical body is burnt within 72 days, feels super cold. You'd think it might feel hot, but it doesn't. It feels just cold. So it's recommended to wait at least 72 hours before the cremation. <laughs> Michael asks, uh, how often should I do this preliminary meditation of the system for the research of truth? Well, in the big picture, even the masters still do. Everybody continues to do it. That's it's the preliminary meditation, but it's also one of the most important <laughs> ones. That's why it's given to you first. But you should do it every day. In the morning, is best. You can do it any time, but it's easier in the morning when there's lots more etheric vitality from the sun around. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, if you do this in the morning, morning is recommendable. But if you do this in the morning, when you go outside or whatever you do afterward, you're going to become like a, a atmosphere cleanser, you know, 
you can clean up uh, the the old environment wherever you go. And when you do that, uh, right before you sleep or the evening uh, when you come back home, it's gonna be like a quick. Uh, uh, introspection it's not the real introspection but we can cleanse all the bodies so it's also good and uh, um, I do sometimes this meditation uh, when I feel I need it in the outside or whatever I do oh I need to cleanse myself then I do it very quickly so we can do it in the daytime also and uh, we do this preliminary meditation right before we do kind of further meditation Be before whatever we work on the, the, the deep meditation exercise we prepare ourselves we, we cleanse ourselves completely and do the exercise that's going to help a lot especially when we work on the healing you know serve ourselves for healing purpose to other people or to ourselves, we cleanse ourselves and start work on the uh, start to work on the healing. Sarah's asking, this might be an unusual question, but I keep asking myself about an experience, and I would love to get your insight. About six months ago, I started seeing white softball-sized balls of white light flirting around the room. I only see them for a couple of seconds and have only seen them about 10 times, but can't figure out what that could mean. I'm not clairvoyant, but I keep seeing these lights every now and then. Have you ever seen something or do you know what it could be? Well, I'm not having the experience you are. I'm not seeing exactly what you're seeing. So I'm gonna, let's just talk general, but it could be a lot of things. It could be a lot of things. It could be a communication from uh, a higher intelligence I could be elementals manifesting, but the, the the real question should be, how do you feel when you see it? What vibration do you feel? Do you feel good? Do you feel peaceful? Is it scary? Trust yourself and try to feel what you're feeling. If it is a communication from the angels or higher intelligences, um, Go into it. If you feel good, you don't feel threatened, it doesn't feel weird, you don't start to get some strange feeling. If you start to get a strange feeling, just cover yourself in pure white light. But I don't think this is a bad thing, the way you're describing it. So, But I would try to go into it. It just could be a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Mm. <coughs> uh, as he says, uh, it can be many uh, possibilities. If you see it outside in the nature, it can be nature spirit. And if you, it depends on the place. In <laughs> yes. Uh, so, and uh, you know, uh, when sometimes people can see the kind of, the, the, how can I say, the light bulb on the picture, it can be like a reflection of the. Uh, the moisture or uh, the the dust in the air it can be so, but in this case, see uh, it in the the room, so it can be higher intelligences, the spirit soul, or uh, sometime it's uh, um, 
earthbound spirit, what we call. And most of the case, it's the elementals. So as he says, if you feel good by observing carefully, then you can open and try to ask or communicate if only if you feel good. But if you, you are not really, you don't feel good, just uh, put the light shield around your body and uh, please don't open to that. So observation is very important in this case. And uh, you call yourself, you, you are not a clairvoyant, but I feel like uh, everyone will have certain, at the, someday, at some time, start to see many, start to feel, start to hear something. So just open yourself, oh, I might be able to start to be able to see something. Please don't judge yourself, you know, I'm not a clear point. Just accept that if you, as long as you don't feel good, just protect yourself. Only you feel good, start to open that. The, in the white light, if it's a white light, it depends on the, the color and the tone of the color. Uh, if it's very pure white light, it can be good elemental, can be, but not for sure. I can't guarantee it. So ask to your heart and only when you feel good, communicate. And it, it sometime, okay, <laughs> can I continue a little bit? Only if you feel good and when you start to communicate it and when you try to attune with it, then it might show up as the face or the image of something. It can be the message or the healing or elemental or protection elemental from someone to you. Mm. But again, we can't guarantee it that we have to examine it very well. Sarah also asked, what's the best way of raising our vibrations? Should I focus on thinking positive thoughts or perhaps no thoughts at all and just being quiet observer of my surroundings? Or the best way is it to focus on my daily meditation and introspection and raise my vibrations gradually in that way? The answer is yes to all that. Um, you could focus, you could start, you know, make sure that you're only thinking positive thoughts, eliminate negative thoughts, doubtful thoughts, fearful thoughts. That's a great way. Um, no thoughts is even better. <laughs> but what about love? Try to try to, I would suggest, go straight to the heart and try to act from love. Because if you love people, if you act from love, you're with God. And that's raising your vibrations. And of course, the meditations and introspection, all this is important. Everything is important. It's, it's good to raise your vibrations by seeking the truth in the teaching aspect. It's good to raise your vibrations by following along with these meditations Aki's giving. These meditations in our system are very, very good. But it, don't expect it's like you're going to flip a switch and then next month you're going to be enlightened. It's, it's, it takes time and dedication and sincerity with oneself, like Hugo said. So all those things work, and they all do it. But just, you know, being the light, let the light come through you. You know, feel that etheric vitality. Get used to that etheric vitality. When you meet people, give it to them. Share it with them. Make them feel good. 
that'll raise your vibration. Doing good for somebody else is probably the quickest, best way to raise your vibrations. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Mm. At the beginning, uh, yes, of course, it's better to focus on the positive things rather than the negative things uh, to raise our vibration. But um, eventually, the, what we call positive things and what we call negative, uh, no, positive things for us might become the, the negative things uh, for other people. And positive things so far right now for us might will might become the negative things in the future. So positive and the negative is like uh, <laughs> in the world of duality, it's a positive and the, the one side and the other side. So slowly, slowly to raise our vibration higher and highest, we have to embrace all of the aspects from the viewpoint of our, our inner self, the God. And try to focus, trying to focus on this viewpoint brings you raising up the, the high, higher, highest vibration. So at the beginning, let's focus on the, the positive, more positive things, and slowly, slowly uh, embrace everything from the highest point to view everything. Like, just like uh, uh, the viewpoint of the introspection, which we uh, practice every day, you know, just see, watch everything. This vibration is very high to raise your vibration. And uh, Another suggestion is we have a preliminary meditation, three suns meditation. We use the color, right? And the sky blue light for the solar plexus and whitish pink for the heart center and the canary yellow or whitish golden for the uh, head center, right? These are the, uh, the color of the nature of God. So it's so good to attune yourself to practice to attune yourself with this color. It, those are definitely raising up your vibration. Next question is picking up on Sarah's last question about how to raise your vibrations. They're asking how to lower your vibrations to tune to say an animal or a plant. If I put my hands near a plant or a cat or something, I feel some tangible energy for sure, but how do we actually attune tune to this plant or animal to maybe be able to help it to grow for plants or calm them down for animals, for example. Thank you again. Okay. <laughs> you know how, how when you fall asleep at night, your vibrations start to get lower and slower down. It's really about slowing the vibrations down. And that lowers the, the vibrational rate, of course. So it's something like that. It's like you get low, you just slow down your vibrations. You stop thinking so fast. You stop, just be present and you lower your vibrations. And it's like, how do you ride a bicycle? I'm trying to tell you something that you have to practice to get the feeling of. But it's some, for me, it's something like going to sleep. You just lower your vibrations lower and lower. And I did a practice one time. I used to have, I have a pond and I have fish in the pond and some big catfish, big ones. And um, I'd 
decided to try to do this. And so I would go out to the pond, I'd put my hand down in the pond and um, tap the pond a little bit, which would attract the, the catfish's attention, and they would come over. And I could rub them on the belly or stroke them on the head. Very calm. But we also have bluegill, which are short little fast fish. And I could do it with them. And I would lower my vibrations down to the point where I was at one with them. I could just feel at one the, the vibration with the fish. And then if I slowly put my hand underneath the fish, I could lift it right up out of the water. It would never flip, never struggle until it got all the way out of the water. This is lowering your vibrations to attune to nature. When we want to tune to the angels, we have to raise our vibrations. But when we want to tune to nature, we have to lower our vibrations. Um, I also used to do this with my kids. You know, putting kids to bed at sleep at night is kind of a thing. So I'd go and I would tell them a story. I wouldn't tell them a story about a tiger eating a lion or something. I would tell them this gentle angel story something. And all the time I'm doing it, I'm trying to put myself to sleep. And if I did that, they would fall asleep pretty quickly. You might try that if you have kids. Okay. First, we get rid of. Uh, first, we need to. My advice is here. First, we need to relax our material body, just like when we do the exercise. Relax our material body, right? And they get rid of all miscellaneous daily emotions and thoughts. Just try to find eyes. And uh, for me, when I want to attune with the animal, I, after gaining a sense of eyeness, holding the sense of eyeness, I try to become the animal, that animal, if it's animal, itself, and uh, try to exist or present myself in front of uh, that animal which I want to attune with. And it's not the atonement at all, you know, but I try to feel myself as if I become like the animal. And they exist in front of it. And try to communicate with it. Of course, it's not atonement at all, and it's not achievement yet, but Four. we are practicing and practicing to become, to attune wisdom. So the conclusion is for the animal, being the eyeness, I try to become one with, try to become one with, as if I become like that animal and exist in front of it and try to feel that vibration. This is for animal. But for plants, I love flowers in the plants. And in my childhood, I play with uh, what I do this now. Uh, for the plant, this is my approach though. I try to become myself, visualize myself. Of course, getting rid of all emotion and thought, connect with my eyes. And I try to visualize myself very small, like their size, and try to go in them and feel them. And go back and forth and try to feel their vibration. 
so same as if I become like that flower in front of it or try to inside of it. Then uh, I can receive, uh, I could and I can receive uh, some information or the uh, knowledge, sometimes wisdom from it. When it's a mineral things like a rock or crystal or whatever, I definitely uh, the process at the beginning is the same. Try to become like a, find my eyes, get, getting rid of all my miscellaneous emotions and thoughts, and slow down uh, my breathing, almost like no breathing, and try to go in that rock or mineral <laughs> mineral kingdom the, the things in the kingdom then they slowly they respond as a vibration or some message or whatever this is the way how i attune myself with these things i hope it's gonna help you eric is asking us uh we we discussed on several occasions the first two labors of Hercules. This is the work on the symbol of life. But I was hoping you could take some time and go into more detail and give more insights into the other labels as well. Labors three, four, five, and six. Thank you. Um, that's a big question. I mean, th th there's a lot to that. <laughs> and, and we really are, we're really hoping to do the next seminar, live mm. seminar on this very subject. But we need to wait till the craziness calms down a little bit. So we're going to do a webinar sometime here mm. in the future on the first ascent of mankind and tracing its consciousness through the uh, levels from caveman on up, Lemuria, Atlantis, Egypt, all that. Um, but so we can just, let's just say a little something general here. Of course, the third labor is about the boar, which the boar, he, uh, Hercules was ordered to capture this boar and bring it back a lot. Now, the first two labors we're killing the thing we're killing the lion we're killing that hydra of desire mm -hmm. i'm talking uh, okay but go ahead okay thank you where was i okay so the first two labors were killing something but this this one we're not killing it the next two we're not going to kill it so we're going to tame it basically you bring the boar back and, and you don't let it run wild and crazy and that's just it's our body we just don't want our bodies to run around become drunkards or anything like that we have to you know have, you can't be a glutton and really meditate very well because your stomach's so full of food you you don't have the focus and likewise uh, we don't want to be just drunk or just completely intoxicated all the time or we can't understand the teachings right so the idea is to master the body. That's what number three is, mm -hmm. just said simply. Number four, similar. This is the personality. Of course, the body is not the personality, but the personality lives in and through the body. So the next step is once you get your body in control, is you have to get your personality in control. And that's hard. That is a real hard job. And in the labor of Hercules, the myth tells us that he took long time chasing after the deer. And every time you get close, the Syrian, the, the number four is about the called the Syrian hind, mm -hmm. which is, is a representation for our personality because the Syrian hind just jumps and it's so, you know, a deer in the woods, it can just, it's uncatchable really. And so 
that's what our personality does. It jumps from this thing to that thing, jumps all around. It's just everywhere. And so Hercules is our inner self is trying to calm it and tame it, but he can't kill it. He's not supposed to kill it. So what's he do? He follows it and traces it. It runs through the wood. He gets close. It gets goes away. Finally, he decides he he's not going to be able to catch it the way it is. He has to wound it, but he can't kill it. So he carefully shoots an arrow and hits it in the back leg. Now the animal is wounded. He can walk up and catch it. He catches it, puts it on his neck, and takes it back to the king. This just, again, represents taming the personality. And it takes a long time. And you'll notice that wounding thing, I think, is very important. Because I can speak from my own experiences. A lot of times when my personality is the most wounded is when I feel the inner self come forward more. And I think it's very much tied to this thing. That the the personality has to be somewhat wounded. It can't just keep running around the way it's running, or it's, you're never it's, you're not going to catch it. So um, he Hercules has to wound it. And then number five. Uh, can we go one by one? Otherwise, it's going to be. I am. I am going one by. One. Oh, you mean you want to talk about? Yes, oh. three sure, and four. Ahead. Otherwise, uh, so numbers, as he says. Uh, it's going to be long, so we can say or explain just a little, little by little for each labor. But we are already preparing the seminar for this, so it's coming soon. Uh, the labor number three, uh, Elementium Bore, uh, the tusk. <laughs> the boar has tusk, right? represents the, the world of duality and the boar represents the, the material body uh, our unbridled desires our kind of sexual desires these kind of very aggressive desire things of our material body so we have to tame we have to we can't kill our material body but we have to capture uh, our the bore this kind of uh, desires and have to tame it so hercules tried to chase it uh, and they chase the boar into the white snow and uh, it shows uh, you know, white snow you know, shows the, the the impurity of our desire and the capture it this we will do this kind of work and this kind of mm, tame our very aggressive unbridled desires of our material body that's the number three and the hercules hercules number three hercules work number four it's uh, a deer hind and sedimentian here uh, sorry uh syrian syrian deer's work it represents our personality and the, uh, it's a deer of the Artemis, goddess Artemis. Goddess Artemis means our uh, permanent personality. So the permanent personality has the, the kind of little uh, unmatured, immature part of our present day personality. So it also it is the work to tame uh, deer. You know, deer seems like a very gentle and a calm animal, but 
it still has the horns, you know. These two horns represent uh, the duality, world of duality. So we have to tame this kind of unclean part of our egotism in our personality into our present personality. This is the work for number four. Number five are the Stymphalian birds. And this is part of the myth, which is really not a myth for children's bedtime stories. It's, it's a metaphor for a seeker of truth passage through this world. And so on this one, these uh, birds are, they, their wings are made of glass, brass, their feet are made of claw, their uh, iron, their nose is made of uh, iron, their claws are iron, and they fed on human flesh in the myth. Well, what could that mean? Well, these are these certain class of really destructive, harmful elementals. Now, y'all know, you've all had experiences where you're trying to go to sleep at night, something's bothering you, you can't sleep, you can't stop thinking about it, you keep turning. These are elementals that are actually feeding on your third vitality. And you feel tortured a lot of times. Honestly, you feel tortured. And you feel, can feel really low strugglings with some of these repetitive things that come around in our heart and head. So the, they represent, the symphalian birds represent those classes of elemental that feed on human flesh. In this case, etheric vitality, not the material flesh, of course. So what to do? So Hercules goes, and this is our inner self again. He goes and he takes symbols and he clangs them in the marsh where all these birds are, are hanging out. And what they do? They, well, it startles them and they fly up in the air. Well, underneath in their belly is the only place an arrow will pierce. So now he's shooting his arrows at it. Now the arrows represent reasonable thoughts. And it's the only way to deal with these torturing elementals. We have to shoot these flaming arrows even sometimes uh, at the thing itself to, to disenergize it. You, reason. That's what the arrows are. So in this way, Hercules kills these birds and blah, blah, blah. Now we have to do the same thing. And I'll tell you one time, a long time ago, when I first heard of this, I was out walking and I, something was bothering me. And I was having these troubled thoughts. And then uh, this reason thought came. And the moment it came, I saw the image of shooting arrow at the birds. And that, that torturing thing just disappeared. I mean, it had been bugging me all day. And it just disappeared. And that's my personal experience of how this labor plays out in our life. Mm -hmm. We have to apply reasonable thoughts to these <laughs> unreasonable elementals that are taking from us. They're here to rob us. They're not here to help us. Yeah. As he says, you know, once we start to practice it, this Hercules work, in our daily life, it really shows up and we will experience it right in the moment. That's truth. So we are looking forward to provide uh, this information and the practice together. About the Stymphalian birds, uh, as he says, it's a very negative, uh, aggressive element, like a, you know, uh, spreading a bad rumor or something or, or someone, or it's very Anything nasty, yes, nasty, uh, strong, negative elementals which is hiding in our solar plexus mainly. Okay. And so what we call marsh, you know, 
subconsciousness, you know, in the solar plexus. Mm -hmm. So what we call marsh is our subconsciousness in our solar plexus. Then uh, Hilo Hercules uh, tried to put the arrow, but the, first of all, with the guardian angel, you love it, put the symbol and they let the, the birds uh, fly out and they, he just uh, aimed to kill them one by one, which symbolizes all negative, strong negative elementals. That's the work for number five. Number six is where Hercules has to go and clean out these filthy stables full of manure that um, the bulls, there's 12 bulls from Apollo is part of the myth, but it represents the energy we get in 12 months each month. And the problem is with the energy we get in these periods of time is it's like burn things, you know, it's like when you have a fireplace and you burn a log, at the end there's, there's ashes left. You have cattle in a shed, at the end there's a lot of manure left. So these are filthy stables, they haven't been cleaned out for a long time. So what's Hercules do? He rechannels two different rivers and throws them, runs them through these stables and cleans them out. Well, the symbol of that is using the two currents that we, we speak about and we have meditations on. And they run through these centers in our body, which is where elementals heart or harbored and there's residue it's like the ashes there's stuff in there it's, it's some there's some active elementals in there there's some dead we'll say dead they're not really dead they're disenergized so they're just kind of laying there and all it takes is a couple other elementals to touch it that of the same kind that can reawaken it people that quit smoking for a long time all of a sudden one or two boom and they're back into it again and the reason is because the elemental has been disenergized but not cleaned out of that center so this is the symbol of this Hercules cleaning this table. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have so many exercises for this. And uh, after cleansing all negative elementals, labor five, number five, now we are going to cleanse the, the positive elementals too. You know, as I said a little bit before, the positive and negative is all... The, Elemental, which consume our aesthetic vitality. Then, uh, in the usual way, the positive elemental, uh, in uh, usually positive elementals and the negative elemental is uh, hovering in our, our centers. So, in this labor, we have to cleanse all the, the positive ones too. We will work on uh, positive elementals, but which makes us so busy and tired, energy consuming, we will cleanse it. But in a normal way, we can't cleanse it completely. We sincerely work on creating the current in our aesthetic double of our bodies and three bodies eventually. You know. At the beginning, aesthetic counterpart of our material body, we will create the current and cleanse all the centers. The, the stable means all the centers. And a bull or cow means the, the, the even good elementals. And we will 
wash that away. And eventually, uh, we will reach uh, the, what we call the cartridge cells of Helmuth. After cleansing all bodies, we will master our three bodies. This is the aim of this work. Number six. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anthony asked, in one of our Q&As, it was explained the purpose of Christ's crucifixion was to absorb 90% of people's karma, leaving 10% to the individual. My question is, before the crucifixion, people had to burn, burden 100% of their karma? Did this mean that it was 100 times more difficult to rebalance karma versus after the crucifixion? Is there any way for the majority of people to determine how much karma they must still repay? Well, what we were saying was 90% of the karma is lifted by Christ and 10% is left out to the person who tries to, has to work it out themselves because they need to get the lesson. If it was all taken, nobody would be getting any lessons. You'd just be repeating the thing. So we have to have at least 10%. But I did not say that this is the purpose of the crucifixion. This has nothing to do with the crucifixion. Christ did this. He's always done it, always will do it, doing it now. So anyone before Christ, it he, they still got their karma lifted. What I was saying about the crucifixion, the purpose of the crucifixion was the resurrection. He came to show us we're not just some material body. We are spirit soul. He's trying to wake us up to who we really are. And now, the light ones from centuries and centuries, been millennia, have been telling us. He's the only one that proved it. Others have been able to um, resurrect a living material body, but he's the only one that's ever resurrected himself. And I know another person who tried, but they weren't able to do it. But uh, so it's a difference. It, the 90% has always been there, always will be there. Mm -hmm. And um, is there any way for a majority of people to determine how much karma it, they must still repay. One time Buddha was walking down a road and he came to this yogi guy who was sitting in the hot sun doing the five fire meditations, which is to build five, four fires around them and sit under the hot sun and, you know, tough out the, the heat of that thing. And then he was like, oh, it was so hard. He was just sweating. He was just suffering so bad. And he said, Buddha, Buddha, how many more lifetimes do I have to complete my karma? And he said, 1,359. And I go, oh, 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 my God. I got to do this that many more times. And so Buddha keeps walking down the road, and he sees a guy drunken, and he's singing and drinking wine and dancing in the street. And Buddha, Buddha, how many more lifetimes do I have got to go? He goes, um, 3,586. And the guy says, is that all? So it's all relative in some ways, you know. It's just, you know, you think of it as this horrible burden we got to pay off, and we do. But it's, you can enjoy the process, enjoy the journey of it. We're not going to rush to enlightenment. We're not going to. There's no way to force this to go for, for farther or you know, go faster. So what we can do is work diligently, but we should enjoy life. We should enjoy what, even if we got some karma, okay, we got the karma, but here we are in life and we have everybody, no matter how much suffering they got, has something to be grateful for in their life. They may not have found it yet. They may not have figured out what that is, but nonetheless. Hmm. So there's really no way to tell how much 
karma you still have left. Sometimes you think it's pretty empty and then they <coughs> a truckload comes again to catch you. Mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. Yes, for number one, I have same opinion with Daniel. But the question number two, uh, the law of cause and effect, which we call karma, is in each one of us. And uh, you know, after finishing one lifetime, we go back to the state of the, you know, the permanent personality. And the permanent atom will decide. The, so we, we as a personality, never decide you know, the karma things, right. uh, never. But the permanent personality, in the permanent personality, we have a permanent atom, which records all incarnations. It depends on this record, permanent atom will decide what we should leap, uh, reap in the next lifetime, the homeworks, you know, which we call karma for the, the coming uh, lifetime. So this is the work of a permanent atom in the permanent personality in us. And according to what it decide, it's decided, uh, archangels of elements will create our bodies, something like this. I think it's Osaka von Karma. Yes. Yeah. Okay. At this point with the teachings, can you please detail what exercises we should be doing regularly? Mm -hmm. I'm doing introspection and the three suns meditation. You provide a lot of other meditations, but I'm not sure if these are supposed to be done regularly or just for us to try. Mm -hmm. I'm a very structured person and I like <laughs> to have a very clear and concise plan of action. Thank you. Um, the only one Daskalos insisted on was introspection. He suggested you do the others, but introspection was the most important. But really, the three sons is, and it should be done in the morning, like we said. But the others, you know, they have different effects. Each of the other meditations have different effects. So I say, see if you get a feel for them. Work with them for a week or so. See what you can get out of them. So as far as a regulated pattern, of course, you have the three suns in the morning. That's an exercise you do to benefit you. At night, there's an introspection. That's an exercise you do to benefit you. You're, you're becoming more self-aware by that exercise. The three suns, you're becoming more self-conscious by that exercise. But what about in the middle of the day? Let's add another exercise in the middle of the day where we do something for somebody else. And it's just like the three suns. It can be a real simple one like the three suns. You know, you create the blue ball at the solar plexus, uh, rosy pink ball in the heart center, and a golden ball around the head. Pick one. Say you create this goal of uh, this uh, rosy pink ball. And you know somebody that's, that's sad. They're, they don't feel love. They're, they're having trouble. Send that to them. If it's a person you have trouble with, send that to them. See them smiling. Mm -hmm. Try to do something with this other meditation to help somebody. That's what I we would suggest because that's that's mm -hmm. what we're, and we're suggesting is because this <coughs> produces the best results. It's the most effective way to go. You mm -hmm. certainly try to you got to heal yourself. You got to take care of yourself. Then you can help others. Mm -hmm. So that's why we recommend this mm -hmm. exercise of service thing today. Yeah. 
Yes, uh, my advice is uh, introspection is the most important thing. It's every, all meditation, all exercises under the umbrella of the, the introspection mm -hmm. exercise in our teaching system. So introspection is the most important thing. I recommend you to do that every day. And the uh, three sons, you know, cleansing our bodies. It's very important that please do that every day. Beside them, first of all, please do the meditation of the meaning of a prayer and the uh, seven promises. Those are also very important to meditate on. So I would like to recommend the, the prayer or meditation on the prayer and also contemplation on our seven promises and the three sounds and also introspection. Those are the, the, the very beneficial at the beginning. But please don't worry, uh, the Mediverse, which is going on Patreon, as everything is going on systematically very much. Now we are working on healing exercises. But the, from the beginning, please go back to if you want to uh, um, go back to the, 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 the um, how can I say, go back to the archive of uh, aesthetic breathing, the breathing system. No how to breathe properly. All kind of, before we reach to the, the healing exercise, I provided how to relax ourselves and releasing all emotional thoughts, connecting ourselves uh, with Ines, and try to receive the ether, the life energy from our environment. Those kind of process, we just experience all those processes. Now we are working on healing exercise. What we are doing right now is practicing the three functions of ether. Eventually, four mm -hmm. functions of ether, creative ether, aiming it. So everything is going on very systematically. And after the series of healing exercises, healing lecture and exercise, we are going to probably the introspection, mm. uh, along with the symbol of life, Hercules works to cleanse more and more ourselves. So in that way, every, don't worry, everything is going on very systematically. She also asked, can you explain what is happening with remote viewing in terms of the teachings? I've learned about remote viewing before. I found out about Basquos. I've become fairly active in a community and have learned how to do it. I've had some limited success with it, but would like to get better. Is there any particular exercise that will help me improve? Yeah, of course. Now, remote viewing, you know, there's all kinds of sight. You know, you have your physical sight. You have your etheric sight, which is where remote viewing comes from. You have psychical sight. You have no ethical sight and no etic sight, which is complete. So what's happening is someone is picking up etherically the images from other locations, distant locations. How far? Doesn't matter. 
It could be around the other side of the earth. It doesn't matter. It could be right next door. Um, it happens the same way. So they're picking up and they're seeing these fragmented images. And usually it's fragmented, unless somebody's a professional remote viewer. Um, but this is an etheric site, basically. So what exercise in improvement? All the visualization exercise that we're teaching prepares you for this, prepares you for all the sites, the inner site and the outer site, even helps the outer site. So um, pick any one. And now the important thing about picking these, I feel, is like when you get one and, okay, I'm doing it, I don't really connect with it. And you get another one, oh, I like that, oh, I feel that. Follow that one because you'll get more benefit from one that you're really interested in and you're engaging with very well. Okay. Say one more thing about the meditation, the healing meditation. We are doing the healing meditation and the healing lectures right now. The reason why we provide it is, uh, you know, according to the condition of the world right now, all people, all of us need to heal ourselves. You know, how to cope with the, you know, the viruses and the vaccines, whatever. Keep ourselves, keep our three bodies healthy. That's why we picked the healing lecture and the exercise and the providing to you. And back to the second question about the remote viewing. We have a certain exercise, visualization, all visualization exercise will be very helpful, as he says. But we have a specific exercise to activate uh, the third eye. You know this center. You know, it's called the, the, the center in front of our forehead. You know? We can create a disc in front of our face, forehead, and funnel through funnel. We can go in and project it from the middle, middle of the right in the middle of the, the head center and projected. We have a certain exercise like that. But we can you can train with that exercise to activate the, the center in front of our head, the face. But before you do that, please ask yourself, for what purpose do you need to see or in this teaching system, we don't strongly suggest to open up, you know, activate our centers. This is not our aim to do it. Rather than that, we cleanse by introspection and creating it. We don't, you know, focus on activating centers, which in general called chapters. So, before you start to improve your ability of remote viewing, please ask yourself, for what purpose you need to see the remote things to help people or to, you know, the motivation is always important. Well, it's 1.15, we've gone, I mean, an hour and 15 minutes, so maybe we just should, we got a lot more questions, but I'll just take one more and uh, before we close. Okay. Um, One more? This one's from Stephanie. It's, it's a good question because we all have this problem. This is a common thing. 
She would like to know how not to absorb other people's energy or take their words so deeply. I do the three suns meditation, the five-pointed star, and the double six-pointed star practices and try to observe not to absorb. However, lately, more than ever before, I feel like just being around other people whose energies, vibrations are so different or what they say and how they say it, how they act to me makes me feel so tired. I tell myself to observe, introspect, and what the lesson is of this, to send love and gratitude and just let go. But I take so much deeply down in and become stuck by it. And it feel like I can't get up off the ground. It takes me a few days or longer to recover. I think it's part of my lesson to be stronger in life, focus my, on myself, but I really hate to be this sensitive. Can you please give advice? Yeah, this is a, this is a common problem. Five-pointed star, six-pointed star. Those are great, and they help, but the really best one for this is the egg-shaped shell of, of light. It's an egg-shaped thing with the big side of the egg above us. It extends about two or three feet from beyond our body, and it is what catches or blocks energies from people, thoughts from people, feelings from people that are harmful to us. So we've given that exercise lots of time and you do it and you create an imprint. And with all these visualization, when you're creating an elemental, you program it, you gotta program it. You gotta imprint on it what your purpose is. And in this case, this egg-shaped oval is you will let no Buddies, energies, or thoughts or emotions affect you so deeply. In other words, stop taking it personally. It's not personal. This is just what people are doing. This is the people's vibration. When we're around them, even Dasko said, being around people makes you tired. It's because there's constant change of etheric vitality. If you have more than the people you're around, you're going to have it. It's, it's automatically going to go to them. It's a law. It's like a law of gravity. It's just going to go to them unless you know how to how to stop that, which is another labor of Hercules we'll get into. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to kind of create this detached attitude, you know. If somebody's in your face telling you, blah, 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 don't take it so personal. Try to understand that person is, is having a problem right there in that moment. Mm -hmm. Feel a little compassion for them. Don't get caught in it. Don't, don't, the whole, the whole thing that tries to happen, that elemental comes at you and it starts vibrating in you, and immediately you try to vibrate. It wants to make you vibrate in the same level of vibration back to the person, and then you get entangled with them, an example. Um, send love and gratitude, but yeah, don't, it's not, it's, this isn't, I mean, this is information for you. This is an experience for you, whatever's happening with you. But it's not meant to take you down. It's meant to reveal something to you, and I think you're, you're starting to see the lesson here is that you can't be, you can't walk around this world with your heart on your sleeve. Well, if you do, you shouldn't put your hand in the toilet. Let's say that. <laughs> we need a protection. And it's, it's, it's impossible for common human beings to be so alert as not to fall for this kind of stuff, not to be affected, I should say, by this stuff. So we have two other ways. We created, we wear a talisman. There's a talisman Daskalos is created and um, we have 
that can protect us when we're asleep, for example. It's definitely a good time at sleep. But the best thing to do, we have to participate in our own protection. So the best thing you should do, my advice to you, is to look up that shell of light exercise, which is in Daskalosa's Esoteric Practice book. And we've um, given it before mm -hmm. in the seminars. Uh, just make that strong. See that thing. Be in that thing. It's so comfortable. It's so safe. And you won't lose energy. Uh, in our exercise, it's called the light shield. It's going to be the good protection. But uh, Sarah, probably Sarah's good. Uh, please don't take it personal. Stephanie. Oh, Stephanie. Okay. Uh, there is a great teaching here. In general, we um, the people called HSP, that the people are so sensitive, receive everything sensitively. But we have a very good teaching here. The worst enemy, please don't take it personally, it applies all of us. What the worst is the feeling of being offended and wounded. And in our daily life, whatever we experience, we might catch kind of slight feeling of being wounded or offended. It's a small thing, but if we, we carry it inside of us, if we keep it there, it's going to be more and more, it creates more negative elements based on this tiny little cause. So we have to be very careful to shut out this greatest egotism of the feeling of being offended and wounded by someone's word, by someone's attitude. It can be anything. But once we receive it, we really need to cleanse it. By how? By forgiving and forgetting. We don't take it seriously. And by giving or forgiving and forgetting, we don't let the small cause which bothers or the possibility to create more negative, more negative energy, elementals in us, we shut out at the beginning. This is the, the great work, great strength, which we need to have because, you know, Please think about the love of the sunlight, the sun. The sunlight comes to, we receive all of us, all of existing things are receiving the sunlight, right? In a sense, sunlight give, just give, regardless of you know, the person who is doing the bad things or who is a good person or bad person, they don't judge. Ultimately, we have to reach that the kind of love, which we call unconditional love. So we are given this kind of lesson purposely to forgive and forget whatever we are given, sometimes very unreasonable, very kind of unbearable experience happens. But it's a program, it's a process for us to overcome, forgive and forget. And the keep our energy clean and steady and strong 
whatever happened in our outer world. So please uh, uh, take this uh, great teaching in your daily life and whatever happens, just get it. But it doesn't mean whatever happens, we just uh, forgive and uh, receive everything. It doesn't mean so. When we need to say no, please say no strongly. I can do this. I can stand it. But without bothering, without being wounded or offended, or heartened, minded. So please try and practice this method. And, and Stephanie, remember when someone's behaving a certain way to you, they're, they're really revealing more about themselves than they are about you. But if you react to it, you know, if you get caught in it, it means two things. What it means basically you're identifying with your egoism because it's your egoism that's getting harmed by this. Of course, it drains your body's energy and everything too. But if you would disentangle your sense of self, from all this, and you just observe it as a pure witness, as Aki's talking about, it's going to go a lot better. Mm -hmm. And please enjoy. Try to handle enjoying. Mm. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. <laughs> thank you very much. Sorry we couldn't get to all the questions. Have a great day. Many blessings to you.